welcome to episode 18 of the European show. Um, we're going to look back at this weekend's football where we've had some interesting results, surprising results and some very sad results. Um, to join me in doing so is, is Nick, as he always does. Hello, hello. How are you all doing? Um, so the first place we will start is the Bundesliga. Personally, this is something I'm going to gloss over very quickly. Um, Borussia Mönchengladbach played Cologne um, in front of 50,000 fans in Cologne, which is full de- a, ma- a full capacity stadium um, due to um, the rules, meaning people attending had to wear a mask, be tested positive, tested negative for COVID, while also being either vaccinated or recovered and this meant Borussia Mönchengladbach lost 4-1 <laughs> um, Borussia Dortmund played Wolfsburg and won 3-1 um, in a game where they did have to grind out the result um, which if you go by cliches is the stuff that champions do um, they did, did the, do the typical Dortmund thing and were quite poor in the first half really and went and got down quite early on through Vekhorst with some people and then as they, ma- they managed to get, come back into the game and it resulted to people saying it was Brissy Dortmund's front four against their back four not Dortmund versus Wolfsburg it was just the attackers competing with the defenders to try and score more than they concede um, Daniel Marlin who we've criticised before, proceeded to score again um, and is finally looking to have found his feet um, in Dortmund. And, but most notably is the fact that Erling Haaland was back and proceeded to make his return with a goal. Um, so he came right back into scoring. Especially his return has been a surprise because he was meant to be out um, until the next year however obviously he's somehow managed to recover quickly and he's a big big plus for next weekend yeah I mean his impact was felt on the on the pitch immediately as well because he didn't start because if, if he had I'm sure the game would have gone very differently and it would have been a lot less difficult for Dortmund but he was subbed on in the 73rd minute and he scored uh, and he scored less than 10 minutes after being subbed on like come on like that, that's just the epitome of Erling Haaland, man. Like no, no matter what, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what shit, no matter when, or no matter what the circumstances, he he will basically just always score. Especially when people aren't really expecting him to. Like if you just return from a long injury, or like he, he'll just do it anyways. He does not care. I, I like generally one of the best players right now. It was a great goal as well. It was. It, it was a deftest of touches, literally. Um, the studs on his boots to manage to prod the ball in and now yeah as I, as I said he's going to be a big addition to the Dortmund team um, next weekend when they play Bayern um, Leverkusen moved into third place as they beat RB Leipzig 3-1 um, the standout players for Leverkusen in this game and this season in general um, have been Moussa Diaby and Florian Wirtz um, Florian Wirtz is definitely having a breakout season um, better than that of what Jamal Musiala had 
last season. So, yeah. Um, there's nothing really more to say on Verts. Because Other than I, he's I better the than Kai stat- Havertz. He, he's better than Kai Havertz. You can try and correct I, I me think if you'd like. But. At, at this age, he is better than Kai Havertz. Like, I, Kai, Havertz wasn't, Kai Havertz wasn't producing the type of numbers that Verts was producing at 18. In fact, Kai Havertz was really just breaking onto the scene at 18. The most exciting game in the Bundesliga this weekend was between, was probably the most unlikeliest game, as it was between Hoffenheim and Greuther Furter. Obviously, Greuther Furter is a team that sits dead last with only one point. Um, it finished 6-3 to Hoffenheim. Um, yeah, Ilhas Bebu scored three goals, with Jerome Ritter scoring twice. The only reason this, it's not surprising Hoffenheim scoring six goals. It's more surprising Greuther scoring twice, three times in fact, because of the fact that they are struggling. So they're, they're struggling and they did compete somewhat with the team that now lies fifth in the table. Um, but it still doesn't take away the fact that I think that this, the way this Greuther team is going, everyone kind of like last season focused on Schalke because obviously it's Schalke and they were in the process of potentially um, equaling Tasmania Berlin's record um, but with the way this Greuther team is going and if you compare the two stages of the season of Schalke, Tasmania, Berlin and, Greuther, and this Greuther team Greuther have less points than all of them so um it does make you think was that Schalke, how bad Schalke were, was it blown out of proportion, mainly due to the fact that they are Schalke, um, whereas now obviously you've got Goethe Fata, who were never expected to be competing to, to stay in the league, um, but it's just how bad they are playing and, and getting... Um, relegated, but I suppose you do have to give them some sort of leeway because they are the poorest team in the Bundesliga by quite a large margin. Um, then the other game, obviously, we've got to mention Bayern. Uh, Bayern Munich beat Armenia beat the first one 0 in quite a tense game for Bayern. It was making you think: Are Bayern actually going to score here, or are they going to drop points once again? Um, but Leroy Zane came out and produced a great great goal to, to secure the three points for Bayern but it does show how the three how the lack of Joshua Kimmich is affecting um, Bayern now staying on Bayern obviously the night we're recording this we're actually doing it a couple of hours before um, it's announced so it could potentially mean when this comes out we're both completely wrong which set t- seems to be a common occurrence um, it's obviously the Ballon d'Or. Um, the standings are being announced while we do this, um, but we're going to talk about who we think deserves it. Obviously, the two front runners are Lionel Messi and Robert Lewandowski, and we're both of the idea that Robert Lewandowski should win the Ballon d'Or. 
Yeah, well, I mean, personally, I think Jonathan Davis should win it, but since that's pretty unlikely, I would, I would, my my second choice would obviously be Robert Lewandowski, because don't get me wrong, I I I I think Messi is a great player, and I think he's he, and and I think he's put out a, a lot of good performances throughout the year, uh, especially in the first half of uh, when he was at Barcelona, he essentially carried a a dead team to to a decent finish in the in the league. Uh, they got smacked pretty hard in the Champions, so in the Champions League, so not much that could be done up there. Uh, Copa del Rey, he had a big influence as well, uh, and then obviously he he won his first international trophy. However, he has not been he has not gotten into his stride since arriving at PSG. Meanwhile, Lewandowski is as good as as good as ever, and like right now in 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 this new 2021-2022 season. Uh, so I I think that really he's the like that second half of the of the of the of the year is where Lewandowski wins it out for me because because on top of all of that he 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 just had a good year overall and he has not dropped his level at all. Yeah, it's obviously the common theme with this trophy and the best award is what do you base it off? Do you base it off the stats that people have done or what people have won? Because obviously, and there's also consistency throughout the year. Because obviously, as, as Nick mentioned, Lionel Messi's won two trophies while being a terrible Barcelona team. Um, but in the first half of the season, but since his move to PSG, he, he's kind of tailed off. Whereas obviously Robert Lewandowski, on the other hand, only won the Bundesliga, but he proceeded to break a 40-year-old goal record in the Bundesliga um, while continuing his goal-scoring streak into the new season. Um, And, yeah, obviously, because you can't, you kind of do have to base it off consistency because then you if you don't then you can start saying but what about this player who's performed well at the start of this season for example um mohammed salah who has arguably been performing at a level of one of the best in the world however at the start of this year he hasn't been the best whereas obviously you can use the same argument for messi since he's even before the Copa America final, because he was quite non-existent in that, um, he's kind of tailed off in form. Yes, he has still got goals and assists. However, it's not at the level he was at at Barcelona. Yeah, I mean, I'm always of the opinion that you should um, give it to the to the player who's performed the best. Uh, you can you can use uh, you can use trophies to inform your opinion a bit, or really should be there as a detail. I think when because the Ballon d'Or in my mind is a trophy for just the best player in the year and the the best player is the one who puts out the best performances and that can be very much independent of trophies won so that's why that's why for me as well like just statistically speaking Lewandowski's season has been ridiculous and why I I will basically always um, prefer a player with just who has had a better year but maybe less trophies than someone who has like won a lot but has been less good. Obviously, if, if if they're being nominated, they're still amazing. But like you know, whatever. And then and then we can also, you can also say, 
obviously Robert Lewandowski deserved it by far in 2020. Um, however, obviously they cancelled the award. Um, so I, I do think stuff like that also has to be taken into consideration. I'm not saying Lewandowski should be given it because of 2020 solely, as obviously we've mentioned why he probably deserves it this year as well. Um, but I do think that should be taken into consideration. And also on trophies, we all have to remember the fact that Luka Modric, albeit didn't win it, or he won the Champions League and stuff with Real Madrid, the fact he took Croatia to second in the World Cup was enough for him to win the Ballon d'Or in 2018. So when arguably he wasn't, he didn't deserve it. Um, so now we're going to have our break and, and we'll be back with La Liga and Serie A. Welcome back from our break. Um, we're now going to look at La Liga, where Nick's old foe is continuing to perform very, very well. Uh, as it turns out, Vinicius Jr. now has nine goals in the league and is playing quite well. <laughs> it turns out that maybe he wasn't a bad player and he was just under the wrong manager for him. But, uh, but I mean, obviously I'm not like terribly upset about it. It's always fun to see a, to see a player play well even if they do play for my rival team. He was heavily influential in Real Madrid's 2-1 victory over Sevilla, uh, which, which as any important game in, in, in Spain, had quite a lot of refereeing controversies, but at the end of the day, who cares? That's part of the fun, I guess. Uh, Sevilla opened the scoring with Rafa Mir scoring a great goal, to which, obviously, Benzema equalised, and as we previously mentioned, Vinicius uh, was, was the one who scored the winning goal really late in the game with only five minutes left on the on the scoreline uh sorry on the on the clock uh at this point is it safe to say that Benzema and Vinicius are one of the best uh duos right now in in terms of uh, in terms of of uh, in terms of offense because I I they're both scoring in basically every week like week in week out the, the, it's it's not just one of them scores another one doesn't it's just they're always both on the score sheet either in assists or in goals I, I do think um, obviously last year we had this discussion as well um, but last year Vinicius kind of sucked ass yeah um, obviously there doesn't re there aren't really any other big duos that come to mind because obviously the classic Robert Lewandowski Thomas Muller Thomas Muller um albeit it's still playing well considering his age isn't as good as he was this point last season um, and no other Bayern player can really or has really combined that well with um, Lewandowski um, and then obviously also last year at Dortmund we had Sancho in Haaland and obviously Sancho's left um, same with Lukaku and Martinez at Inter Lukaku's not left um, so I do think you you are right. My, my personal suggestion would be Jonathan David and Jonathan Ikone, but like, realistically speaking, I think for my reputation's sake, we're gonna have to stick with Vinicius Junior and and Benzema. But um, but yeah, no, it, they both been playing absolutely like ridiculously well. Benzema has always been quite good in terms of in the context of the last few seasons. 
but yeah, it's it's obviously a massive pleasure for any Real Madrid fan to see Vinicius as not only scoring but as confident as he is now. Because a comment I would make a lot about him uh, in the last season was that he didn't really look like he knew what he was doing with the ball. Like he would just grab it and just he he knew he had to dribble and he knew he had to go up the pitch, so he would just zoom forwards, then get to like a like at the edge of the box and he would be completely lost, just kind of panic. You you would see him like glancing up. And, and then just his feet wouldn't, like, do anything productive. And now it's the opposite. Like, he gets to the box and he moves to where his teammates are. Uh, he knows, he has, like, a sense of where the goal is. He know, he know, he always knows roughly, like, in which direction he, he should be playing. And he now puts in much better passes. He's looking up with a lot more confidence. It's just, he's, like, almost a completely different player. Or, n- not to that extent, but, uh, but he's just much better overall. So now he he's much more dangerous and and we're seeing it now. He's one of the top scorers in the league right now. In fact, he's literally only behind Benzema with a with the two of them combining for twenty goals. So yeah, literally right now the top two goal scorers in the league are Benzema and Vinicius. In conclusion, they are they are genuinely actually the best the best uh, attacking partnership in in Europe right now in in my opinion. I was I was joking about my previous comment about Jonathan David, Jonathan Okone. Jonathan David's good enough on his own. But yeah, it, um, it's moving, also yeah. his finishing. It's not as if he's scoring like tappings. Like yeah. genuinely He's scoring some great goals. goals. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Then uh, moving on to the other results in the league. Um Barcelona won in the end quite comfortably. 3-1 against Villarreal. It was a tough game. Uh, Villarreal put up put up a good fight. Uh, they took a they took a lead early in the second half due to a nice Frankie de Jong goal, but uh, but they were put into a bit of panic after Chukwueze equalised in the seventy sixth minute, and then they were saved late on by by Memphis Depay as per usual, and then a ninety fourth minute Coutinho penalty just kind of just sealed the deal, locked up the coffin for for Villarreal. But uh, but it was it was a good game and we as as I've been saying, you can definitely see the difference between Xavi's Barcelona and Koeman's Barcelona. The team is a, is a lot better and and defensively they look much sharper and much more energetic. They actually play as if they had a midfield now. Uh, and and after some criticism on the young, he had a he had a good game and obviously it was culminated with his with his nice goal. They still have work to do defensively. Uh, just basically Villarreal would, would look very scary whenever they were in possession and especially once again Chukweze who did end up scoring was basically just dancing around um, just all the, the entire Barcelona defence as soon as he got subbed on in the 65th minute like you, you, like every time he'd get the ball it was just full on scary hours just, just there was not really much stopping him he would just grab it and be able to do whatever he liked but, uh, but yeah they, they won the game uh, it was away against a pretty tough team in the Liga. We did mention in the preview for this that Villarreal aren't in the best form. But what matters is that uh, Barcelona got three points and their confidence will hopefully be building off of that, which means that they'll only improve more. Then um, speaking of growing confidence as well, Atleti ended up smacking Cadiz 4-1. But, uh, but once again, similar to the, to the Villarreal game, while, while the scoreline looked comfortable, the match was toughed out quite badly, especially in the beginning. The first half was pretty dead, and neither team really managed to do a lot, which is obviously worse for Atleti because in paper they should be the better team and they need to be winning. 
but uh, in the second half, it was a completely different side that Atleti, Atleti had. It's kind of like Simeone forced him to wake up, and after after well, a total of a game and a half, because I'm including the Milan one here, he realized what was wrong with the team, I guess, and uh, and just overall what was causing the the eleven players to just be pretty dead. And and then it was just Atleti domination basically, it was just one long attack with really good flowing football like what we've been used to this last uh, yeah year really from from Atleti. Uh, Lemar scored the first goal is a great cross from Carrasco, who is ridiculously on top of his game. Griezmann then scored another with an assist from Llorente, who needed needed the confidence I would say. Playing right back isn't quite comfortable for him. But he's kind of being forced there because because of injuries from the starters, and um, and then Correa scored the Correa scored the fourth, and then finally Mateo Scunia, the one and only Mateo Scunia, who kind of cocked up the equalizer against AC Milan, scored a great finish uh, to to seal the four one. There was a there was a massive cock up in defense, uh, which which allowed Cadiz Cadiz to get the their their first and only goal, which once again. Is showing Atleti's defense is terrible this year, which sucks to see. But uh, but yes, I guess if you can outscore your opponents, like in this game, it doesn't matter that much. But still, it's it's pretty embarrassing because they're all defensive mistakes. Fully, it's it's rare that Atleti's defense gets properly outplayed. It's mostly just them doing dumb mistakes and getting punished for it. They're just bad marking or a bad pass, and you suddenly you're on the back foot. Stupid stuff like that. But yeah, Atleti managed to win. They kind of had to because Cadiz is extremely low on the table. And with this victory, they propelled themselves up to second in the league. Uh, because Real Sociedad, uh, kind of like how I predicted, is beginning to collapse. Then moving on to this last game that I want to comment on in the season. Espanyol beat uh, Real Sociedad 1-0 in, in a game that I predicted would basically be the tripping point for, for Sociedad. Because they had uh, they had been uh, kind of losing steam, losing momentum, very similar to what happened um, last year around this time of year as well. They had been top of the league, top of the table for uh, for a good few weeks, but eventually you just run out of steam, and and if you're not like a really elite team, you can't keep up that such a high level for the entire season. Maybe they'll manage to pick themselves up again. But with with only with four points dropped in the last two games, it kind of seems that, that they're going to begin their their nosedive now. Hopefully, hopefully it, they can correct that. But yeah, it's looking a little bit grim grim for them for now. So that's that's all from from the Liga this week. It was pretty entertaining. We saw a lot of interesting changes in the league table, especially particularly Atleti rocking up to second, Barcelona are remaining seventh, but now they're closing in on the Conference League spot. Hopefully they will get a bit higher than that, but yeah, overall quite good. Um, now on to Syria. So Juventus have had a bit of a week from hell. Um, first, obviously, as we as everyone knows, they lost four 0 to Chelsea. Um, they then proceeded to lose one 0 to Atalanta, which in a game that leaves them seventh place after um, a goal from Duvan Zabata. Um, it does make you think now the problem is greater than what Andrea Pirlo last year, um, who obviously we, as well as a lot of people, kind of like 
be used as the reason for Juventus not playing as well and not winning the league. Um, however, it's potentially an issue greater than that. Um, it, it could be something to do with the squad as well as the fact of how Max Allegri no, is no longer an effective manager. Um, and then they proceeded to get it uh, investigated by the police. Um, they an investigation has begun um, due to Juventus's transfer activity and player trading between 2019 and 2021. There's potential that one specific transfer came out as illegal um, between Juventus and another team. Um, and it, it was obviously speculation at the time, but I think the fact that they're being investigated for player trading, where that transfer happened between the period that's being investigated, I do think that kind of shows that some of the allegations that have been made that we previously mentioned are real. Um, yeah, and so Juventus, it continues to get worse with and I don't think it's going to improve anytime soon. What I think is interesting, returning to your point about Allegri, is that Allegri was essentially let go because even though he wasn't being unsuccessful, his style of football was becoming really dead. He, it was just a bunch of slow football, uh, just a lethargic game. Uh, defending was acceptable, I guess. It is Juventus after all. But uh, there was just not, not a lot of creativity and it was just very dull to watch. And so he got fired before before uh, th this new style of, well, this old, new, whatever you want, this style of football started negatively affecting the team. Uh, and then I guess that kind of heritage or, or that legacy kind of stayed in Juve for the next few years and they weren't able to shake out of that style of football. And then after firing Pirlo, they decided to bring back the same guy who basically started this like the habit of playing this shit football and now they just don't play properly because they have the manager who invented their dead style of football back and now they're just playing even more dead football it's ridiculous and now they don't have ronaldo to save them so like what 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 did they expect like generally what did they expect bringing back uh bring back allegri man like it's such a big mistake he had a good few years they should have just let him go um, Napoli beat Lazio 4-0 um, which in a game that sees a move three points clear at the top of the table um, before the game they did unveil a statue for Diego Maradona as we did past the one year anniversary since he died um, and then Dries Mertens continued to, to prove why he is a Napoli legend in the making himself as he had another very good performance again against Lazio um, Milan lost to Sassuolo 3-1, um, Sassuolo becoming Milan's bogey team um, now as we saw last year as well and Dusan Vlahovic um, has just continued his great season as he leads the standings in, you know, for goals uh, although he did score in a loss. Um, there are midweek games in Serie A, Juventus play Salernitana, hopefully they'll be able to win that um, Roma, who won, uh, thanks for goal from T Tommy Abraham, played Bologna, Inter play Spezia, Genoa play Milan, and Napoli play Sassuolo, or Lazio play Udinese. Um, I do think we're going to have to be keeping an eye on Lazio as they do currently sit eighth 
um, level on points with Juventus. Um, so now we're going to have our goal some break and then we'll be back with Liga and some other football as well. Welcome back from our Golson break, where you just heard the Belenenses sad goal song. Um, so Nick, what do we'll, you? We'll come back to that later. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. On. What What do you rate it out of ten? I, I I like it quite a lot. I think it's a bit strange how a, how a song for a Portuguese team is in Spanish, but I but I think it's a really nice song and uh, yeah, it's just really fun and it's pretty pretty different to what the usual stuff we hear. So nine out of ten. It's really good. I, I'm gonna give it a ten out of ten. It's a very Disregarding the fact that it's Spanish and it's for a team in Portugal, I would say it's a very quality song. And yeah, um, so now onto Liga. Um, the only thing we're mainly going to talk about is is PSG. They played Saint Etienne um, in another game where they struggled to win. Although the the goal the the scoreline says different as they think it was a 1 3 1. Um, it was not all she wrote. Um, they went a goal down to Saint Etienne um, and they did score a late Marquinhos goal when Saint Etienne went down to 10 men quite questionably. Um, but yeah, it's another poor performance from PSG. Um, Lionel Messi got three assists, however, yes you can say oh, it just makes him so good, he was quite shit for the rest of the game, because um, he kind of just does what he normally does now, and just walks around. Yeah, maybe he already thinks he's retired, and that's why he's, that why, that's why he's in uh, Ligue 1. Yeah, he should have just probably went to New World's Old Boys, but he's too much of a bitch to get kicked around <laughs> in the Argentinian League. We could, we could um, say about the same about Ronaldo and not going to not going to Sporting, but uh, here we are. Yeah. Um, obviously, you, you, we could once again say how both players, albeit they're at the end of their careers, have kind of plateaued and have not been very good at both their respective clubs. Anyway, um, Neymar did get injured, uh, quite a bad injury as well. And he had to be stretched off, and he was sore leaving the pitch with 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 crutches. Um, so we imagine Neymar will be out for an extended period of time. So it'll be interesting to see how the PSG team perform with Messi and Mbappe, and see if they're actually able to look somewhat convincing. Yeah, we've we made a few commentaries on their chemistry before, so we'll have to see just how right we were about that. Um, the final thing for Liga. Um, Jonathan David, obviously everyone knows, a pod favourite. Um, if you don't know, he is top of the goal scoring charts in Liga with, with 10 goals, despite the fact that Leo are playing quite poorly and he could have extended that as well if he didn't miss a penalty to win the game against Nantes. Um, 
Yeah, uh, I think it's safe to say that we are the next Ralph Ranjiks of world football. <laughs> yeah, we, we were smart enough to see that coming from a mile away. Ever since the postca- this podcast started, we've been backing Jonathan David. Finally, Portugal. Obviously, the only reason we used use the Benalenses' sad goal song was because they have been a bit of a hot topic in, in Portugal. Um, today, they, on the other day, they played Benfica. Um, however, they had to field nine players, with two of them being goalies, due to a COVID outbreak in their squad. Um, and they proceeded to lose 7-0. The game wasn't even completed, as the match had to be abandoned due to several sad players going down injured. It's being rumoured that the players weren't actually even injured. They just did it so the game could end. Um, yeah, well, I, I mean, th- 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 this happened during halftime as well, so I think it's possible that they were just like, please, we're seven goals down. It, it's unreasonable to make us go on. Like, if you watch, if you watch the highlights of the game, if, if, if you watch the game, you would, you would see fully what happened. But the but the, the highlights give you a good enough impression. It was literally just Benfica attacking. It, it it was like a training drill. It was just Benfica at the edge of the box, crossing in balls, balls or trying to move the defense around, and poor Belenense players just trying for their lives to defend the, the, the like outnumbered as hell. It, it was like honestly really rough to watch. It, it does make you think. Why is this game going ahead? Yeah, um, for sure. If a team can't field even a full team of players, why are they being forced to play? Or when they could have even just kind of um, forfeited the game, and because they were going to lose anyway, no matter what. Um, that is yeah. if they weren't able to field with a full team. Um, but yeah, it's poor um, management from the Portuguese FA. In all fairness, Belenenses' goalkeeper, the, the the one that was in goal. Um, actually had a really good game like he had multiple great saves so the 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 game would have probably gone even worse without him but yeah he's still yeah it it was was still great to see someone who was putting in that much just just putting in that good of a shift in a basically hopeless game um so now that is it um thank you for listening please like us follow us subscribe whatever yeah, um, yeah we'll see you be after back later when Lewandowski wins the Ballon d'Or. Yeah, when Lewandowski wins the Ballon d'Or.